Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Colmel, a road warrior wandering the post-apocalyptic wilderness. With me today on these violent roads is the Queen of the North herself. She's known as Acadian Commissar to some, a castellan of the Emperor's Custodian Guard to others, or perhaps more often as the Empress of her own Orc Wall. She is a heroine of our hobby and these podcasting wastelands. She is the Imperator Furiosa to my Max Rokitansky, Ms. Tanya Gates. Tanya, welcome to the show. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. That is uh, quite the introduction. Uh, not sure if I will live up to that, but, you know, I'm going to try my best. I'm sure you will do just fine. So uh, you and I have been talking about this. We first, we talked a little bit about doing this episode at LVO last year, I think. So uh, this has been, at least has been rattling around in my head for a while. So I am really excited to finally have you on the show. Yeah, it's great to finally be here. I know that we were talking about it and, you know, life is hard to manage all of the things that we all have to do and still manage to play games and paint minis and all of that. So I'm glad that we finally are getting together to have a little talk. I've been looking forward to it. Yes, it is great to have you here. Uh, Before we get into the good stuff, though, let's take the necessary first sponsor break of the day for The Outpost. The Competitive 40K Podcast is proudly supported by The Outpost, your friendly local gaming store with the most helpful and friendliest of staff. After visiting The Outpost, I was taken aback by the whole host of products available in-store and online. With awesome discounts, gaming tables, and a huge range of terrain for different game systems, The Outpost is certainly a great place to hang out and hobby. Check out www.the-outpost.co.uk or go and visit them in-store. All right, we are back with Tanya. Uh, Before we get going, everyone, please remember to like, share, subscribe, leave us a five-star review if you'd be so kind. Uh, If you want to follow us on Instagram, I'm on there at at infantrylawyer40k. Uh, Steve is of course still on there at, at the Vanguard Tactics and Tanya, why don't you plug all of your many projects and involvements? Oh my goodness. Um, well, I am also on Instagram, so you can follow me at, at the dot war mistress. And you can also find me on YouTube. If you just type in Tanya Gates, G A T E S, um, I should pop up there as well. I'm also on a podcast called forge the narrative. So you can find us at forge the narrative.net. And I'm also on like Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff, but I rarely check it. So you will find me there, but I'm not as active. And are you still doing uh, Just Put Paint on it with Scari? No, we're on a little bit of a break. Um, Yeah, we're talking about bringing it back, but I think that both of us are just really enjoying sleeping in and, uh, (laughs) you know, having one less thing off of our plate for a while. So uh, that might be that might be a new year. Thing for us. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Um, and you, are you and Scar are on the same time zone, right? No, no, oh, we're not. not. Okay. Yeah. So I would have to wake up super early for those live streams. So I, and I'm not a morning person like at all. So yeah, we're, we're going to have to figure it out. And I don't know if maybe like change the time slot or what. But yeah. We're going to have to just talk about it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was a, it's a nice change of pace for me because normally, with Steve being five hours and all the guys in the UK being five hours ahead, I'm used to having to get up at like, I mean, I'm a morning person anyway, but I am like ready to go, ready to record at 6 a.m. And then for, and then for you and I, cause you're three hours behind me. So I was like, oh, I'm going to record in the afternoon for once. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like for all of the things that I do, all of my sort of content creator partners are usually on the East coast or at least in the Eastern time zone. So like for Forge the Narrative, we're all on different time zones pretty much. So whenever I find somebody who's on the West Coast, it's like a particular treat for me that I get to work with them. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I totally get it. Uh, although you have the challenge also of recording with somebody who's on the other side of the planet. So um, I'm sure that throws throws a monkey wrench into things on occasion. Oh, are you talking about Adam Camilleri? Why I am indeed. Yeah, that guy is a machine, though. Like, if you told him you had a thing and it was 3 a.m. for him, I'm sure he would still do it. I don't know how he finds all of that energy to just wake up at all sorts of middle of the night times and just be on. It's like he's always on. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a lot of energy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. (laughs) So, all right. So, obviously, today we are talking uh, with Tanya about um, her involvement as a woman in Warhammer. 
Um, last week, I recorded that episode with Carrie Liddell, and everyone, I got a lot of positive feedback from it. So I wanted to keep this uh, keep this train going. And Tanya was was uh, kind enough to make some time on her busy Sunday, or, or rather her her family time and carve time away from her family on a Sunday uh, to have uh, this conversation with me. So uh, without further ado, let's get to it. Um, Tanya, let's start with uh, what got you started in the hobby. Oh. Um, so I like to sort of throw it way back because I feel like all of the events that led up to me finding the hobby started basically in my infancy. So my first, um, memories ever are watching Return of the Jedi and reruns of Star Trek, the original series with my mother. So she really instilled a sense of, uh, the love of science fiction in me from a very, very young age. So I think really we could blame my mother for this in the end. Um, But I've always kind of been like a crafty child. My mother is also an artist. So we always had all sorts of art supplies in the house. We were encouraged to doodle and, and create. So I always sort of had that in me as well. And then for my dad's side, well, I think all sides of the family were into like cards. My dad was into risk. Um, and different strategy games. So playing games is also very natural to me as well. Like as soon as you could count to about 13, you were at the table playing cards uh, with the rest (laughs) of the family. All right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I I just think games come naturally to me. Again, it's just in my family. But I never really learned about Warhammer until, man, how old would I have been? It would have been 10 years ago. So I would have been 26. Uh, Yeah, 25 or 26 was the first time that I actually learned. No, it was more than that. 24 or 25. um, When I actually learned about Warhammer, Um, my friend at the time was a really big Warhammer nerd. And he was like, look at this cool thing I painted. And I was like, rad, that is really cool. And then he's like, and there's a game that you can play with all of these little toys. And I was like, oh, sweet. Um, so we set up some floor hammer. This was, I think, seventh edition. The dark days. Yeah, I think it was seventh edition. And I was not really into the game. We had to play on the floor. And yeah, I really wasn't into that. But I I did enjoy painting. So I was painting a lot. And then um, that friend eventually became my husband, actually in quite short order. So we are still married. And... Uh, shortly after getting married, I decided that I wanted to try a sport, which quickly sort of consumed my entire life. Um, I, I, I find these hobbies and they just like become soul sucking, uh, and Warhammer is no different. But at that time I was playing a sport and I gave it my all for, I think six or seven years and it destroyed my knees. Um, so I really couldn't. Uh, skate. I couldn't play the sport. And the thing that I found that I missed the most was obviously the social aspect and also the tactics of playing the game. I really missed the kind of brain puzzle of trying to figure out the best plays and whatnot. So, and to this day, I actually have a pretty big hole in my heart from uh, not being able to play that sport anymore. But I quickly filled it most of the way with Warhammer. I decided that I was going to try something else to sort of satisfy that like tactical urge. And yeah, I guess you could say that the rest is basically history. It, it became my new like soul sucking hobby. And I never really looked back. Okay. And I think you actually mentioned on an episode of Forge Narrative a long time ago that your sport was roller derby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my okay. sport was roller derby. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's that's certainly not the usual sport that people that people talk about, but I think that's great. Yeah. I guess you could say that violence just comes naturally to me. So like <laughs> war and battle, violence, like Warhammer's the perfect fit, really. Yes. Yes. And and this is also why I should never get you and my wife in the same room. You're both very violent women. So <laughs> um, I'm actually not. I'm actually just like a pussy cat. Yeah. That's what they all say. <laughs> All right. So, um, so, okay. So obviously you started more with painting and the hobby side and then you've evolved into playing. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So even when I was playing roller derby, I was still painting 
And actually, it's really interesting because while I was painting, one of our sort of traveling referees for roller derby was a content creator for Warhammer. Um, And I just thought that that was so cool. I really looked up to her. Um, And... But I didn't have time to play. I was all like I was practicing up to 30 hours a week for this sport at some times. So I didn't really have time to fit Warhammer in uh, besides, you know, painting for half an hour to an hour here or there. So I just think it was just like a natural sort of transition into Warhammer once I couldn't uh, do roller derby anymore. Okay, very cool. All right. Well, um, we're going to pause real quick here um, to for our second sponsor of the day, Colorforge. The Competitive 4K Podcast is supported by Colorforge. I found Colorforge 18 months ago and I was blown away by the quality of the product. I've always had an incredible finish, not too thick, not too chalky, and have always had the perfect coverage in all kinds of weather conditions. The cans are around 25% larger and cheaper than most other brands on the market. All of the colors are matched to Citadel base color, so it makes that transition from rattle can to paints absolutely seamless. Check out www.thecolorforge.com to pick up your sprays today, along with a whole host of other awesome hobby products. All right, we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, please don't forget to uh, come check out the competitive Warhammer 40k community Facebook page. Password for this month is Shadow Sun. No spell check necessary, but please enlighten me with your creative spellings, as always. Um, now, we are here, obviously, with Tanya Gates. I'm still trying to catch my breath because I had to take a quick break and run downstairs. Excuse my out of breathness, out of breathness. Well done. It's a word now. It's a word now. All right. So Tanya, for everyone listening, uh, do you play more competitively or casually? I, hmm, that's a tough question. Um, I think most people are a mix of both. Um, I know that that holds true for me. However, um, my local meta is extremely competitive, so I don't play casually as much as I would like, um, because I like both. So, um, really I, I end up playing a lot of league games. I, uh, I do events. I don't do well in events, but I do events. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, but I would like to. I would like to play more casually. I would like to try out narrative. It's just not something that um, is just not something that's available to me that often. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I actually, um, I play competitively only because that's the only way I can get games in since I moved across the entire country. So it's like I didn't know anybody when I moved here. So it's like, all right, the only way I'm going to get games in is to play competitively, and I will meet people that way. And now I was like, I was actually looking the last month, I was looking at the, the narrative, the grand narrative coming up next week. And I was like, I really want to do that, especially because I talked to Red, not nearly as often as you do, but I talked to Red semi-often. And I was like, I heard all about what he did last year, the grand narrative. I'm like, that sounds awesome. I want to do the cosplay and everything. Yeah, he's pretty excited to be going again. And I can't wait to hear all of his stories. The grand narrative just sounds like it's absolutely unique and uh, it's definitely on my bucket list. I would love to experience it just once. Well, probably more than once, but at least once. Yeah, no, I I, I definitely want to do it at least once. And in, but I like when I do it, I want to go all the way. I want to do the the cosplay. I want to do the whole nine yards. Um, when I used to play, when I was living on the West Coast, and I used to do play forty k with my friends, um, I actually had a whole website set up with a whole narrative campaign built into it. So I love the idea of doing that. It kind of it it sort of like teases in my the 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 D and D nerd side of my brain that doesn't get any attention normally. So yeah, I, I like the the storytelling and the fact that it actually will impact how GW is going to move the narrative forward. Yeah, so I love all that. I think it's great. Yeah, I love it too, and I love that the fans can have a little bit of say going into the storyline in the future. That's so uh, it's just so interactive and fun, and yeah, I don't know. The whole thing just seems really cool. I want to do it once. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. We should we should uh, try to co-opt it sometimes so we can because uh, I actually have this great idea of, of the Tau and the Imperial Guard teaming up for something. So. Oh, that's heresy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, she's all excited yeah, about it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. It is. <laughs> but but it's for the greater good. So it's important. Ah. <laughs> I actually I actually had a had a had a model as a side note. This is totally off topic. I actually had a um, an idea years ago of take a buying a, a box of Imperial Guard but trying to glue them and my hobby skills weren't nearly up to the task, but I wanted to glue on 
um, Tau weapons and use and have a squad of guys who treated him as fire warriors, but they were actually guardsmen who had been brought into the greater good and had signed on. So, because there's there's talk of that in the in some of the stories and books. So yeah, I was going to say that seems like super true to the lore. I don't think anybody yeah. could give you any guff about that because that really does happen. Yeah, yeah. It was just a matter of of my hobby skills being up to the task, which at the time, ten years ago, they were not. I'm I'm thinking about doing it again, so I need to. I think that's going to be my next big hobby project. Cool. So, I can't wait to see it. I will. You will see. I will send you pictures on Instagram. Cool. Uh, okay. So, um, do, uh, so obviously you play, you, you play, you play the game competitively, but do you ever compete artistically? Cause your, your painting is amazing. Well, that's very kind of you to say. Um, I don't really have any desire to compete for my painting. Um, at the last uh, GT that I went to, I didn't know that there was even going to be any sort of painting award. So I didn't bring a display board. And then after the round in which they were going to do the judging, I didn't even set up my models because um, I was running late and I wanted to go to lunch with my teammates. So I just sort of set them on top of my army case in like a big heap. And then I, I basically booked it to go to lunch um and i ended up winning that and i was so shocked like i actually wish somebody was video taping it because when they called my name everyone laughed and i think maybe my face betrayed my utter shock at <laughs> winning um but so i have i guess i have technically won something but i didn't officially enter that in my head so yeah. um but yeah it's not something i have any desire to do oh, okay so what factions do you own models for? Because I know Imperial Guard, Custodes, and Orcs are the ones you talk about the most. Uh, yeah, so those are the factions that I play. And then my sort of hobby project that I just paint models here and there when I feel like it is Space Wolves. Um, and then I'm considering starting another faction, but I haven't decided which one yet. So, But those are all that I have for 40k at the moment. And then I have two Age of Sigmar factions. What are your Age of Sigmar factions? Um, so my main faction is Ogre Maw Tribes, and then my secondary faction is Night Haunt. Okay. Oh, that's right. I remember you started posting pictures of Night Haunt, and that was actually what motivated me to buy a box of Night Haunt and start trying to airbrush the the ombre blue into white. How did that go for you? It it, it it's 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 challenging. It's yeah. a work in progress. I think it, I'm I'm actually pretty happy with how it turned out, but it, I definitely want to keep going. And as I have time and when money becomes more available, I want to build out a night haunt list. Not, I don't even know how to play Sigmar. I, I want to learn. It looks really fun, but I just love the night haunt. And I want to do a like D Disney haunted mansion sort of themed night haunt list. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So um, I think Age of Sigmar is a really great game. I love playing it. Um, it used to be my sort of casual sort of, sort of reset button when everything was getting a little bit too competitive in 40k i would just go play some age of sigmar games but even that now is starting to get kind of competitive so we'll see how that ends up going in the next couple months um but yeah that's that's getting competitive too so i'm, I'm not sure yeah. where i'm gonna go for like my fun fluffy like reset button but we'll see how that goes yeah. in the next few weeks it's funny. I, there's a lot of people that are like you, you get, especially the more competitive you are, the more people seem to have to have another game to take a break from 40 K. Like Steve plays Zombicide. I play Marvel crisis protocol. And I, I actually like, I found lately, like I'm painting more MCP models because the models are so individual and unique. It's not like painting the same squad over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So, but that's my, so that's been sort of my, my hobby break and my game break. Whenever we come back yeah. from a tournament, my wife and I play a couple of games of MCP. Yeah. Um, my husband and I, we play a game called Mythos, uh, which is it, it is a really nice narrative kind of casual game. Um, and we're actually talking about running a campaign, but we're the only ones that play it. It's you know, it's not one of the giant game manufacturers and it's not right. IP. I mean, it's IP that people know in that it takes place in the Cthulhu mythos, but it doesn't have established lore for the game pieces itself yet. Um, mm -hmm. However, it, but it's really fun and it's tactically very robust. 
even though when you go from playing like a rules heavy game like 40k into playing this game that has a fraction of the rules sometimes it can feel like it's not tactically robust but this game in particular is quite robust um and it's a skirmish game so i don't need a ton of models um yeah so i really enjoy that i'm hoping i can convince more local people to give it a try okay very cool uh and also i just remembered you mentioned your space wolves i i was going to tell you this the last year at lvo you gave me some of your stickers yeah. And one of them was you as a space wolf. Yeah. And when I came back home, my um, then 10 year old, now 11 year old daughter saw them and she was like, Ooh, what's this? And she has a very small collection of space wolves that she very slowly works on and paints. And she saw your space wolf one and she loved it. So she grabbed it and stuck it on the side of the cup that she carries around for her water cup that she uses. Oh, so you actually, it. you actually quietly are transported around my daughter's life everywhere. Oh my so. gosh. That makes me so happy. Uh, I, I, um, and she, uh, has, she knows who you are because she's been forced to listen to Forza narrative, uh, in the car sometimes. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so eventually I will, she's been begging for me to, uh, to take her to LVO with me one year. So eventually, uh, you'll get, she'll get to meet you. I know she'll be very excited. I'll be like, this is the space wolf that's on your cup. And she'll be like, <gasps> oh, that's so cute. My heart. <laughs> so of your four factions that you play, which one is your favorite? Mm, that's really tough too. I think that the Imperial Guard match my play style better because I'm very defensive and reactive as a as a player. Um, but the orcs are more fun to paint. So I guess as a hobby faction, it would be orcs. And then for playing, it would be Imperial Guard. I've, I've played all of 8th and 9th as Imperial Guard. Um, but I got really burnt out waiting for a new book in 9th edition. So I put it aside and I, I haven't actually even looked at the new rules for them, but I think I'm going to transition now. Um, I've taken the orcs to like, I think four different events and I've taken them to play on tabletop recently. And um, I feel like we're in a good place to sort of put them back on the shelf and then um, try something that matches my play style a little bit more. Okay. Very cool. Uh, and fortunately your play style is sit back at defensive, but not, artillery non uh, uh to the nth degree stand no. back and bombard yeah no i like uh very much like a combined arms kind of list i can't i'm not really a spammy player i like to have multiple different types of tools in my toolbox um so normally i'll have a little bit of infantry i'll have a little bit of artillery and then a little bit of main sort of battle tank esque. okay very cool yeah, that's that's how I I'll, that's that's how I am too. I always want a, as much of a balanced force as I can. Although if, when I play my Tau, I can, I can I can't really balance very far. It's just going to be guns and more guns. But uh, all right, so you you love the Imperial Guard because of your because it fit, it suits your your play style more. Um, is that what led you into playing Custodes? Because I know you have a some force of them too. Yeah. So in ninth edition, I was really toughing it out. I was really trying to make uh, Imperial Guard work. And if you were around back then, even in 8th edition, you'll know that they were very underpowered. Like, I think I think the worst that the overall win rate got uh, was something like 24% wins or something like that at the like the worst. And I was still playing them. I was still trying to figure it out. And I just needed back then it was uh, easier to ally things in. And I just needed something with, you know high saves i just needed good saves i needed an invulnerable save so i just added um some just regular custodian guard into the list with shields to sort of yeah. sit on objectives for me um and give me sort of uh i guess uh an anchor that i could wheel around on the table um and uh, in order to get those i bought a lot of secondhand stuff it was it was a lot in the lot of secondhand stuff. <laughs> um, right. And I really had fun painting them. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to paint something else. And I'd like painted some Terminators. And well, that was pretty fun. I'll paint something else. Well, I like big stompy robots. So um, let's paint a Telemon Dreadnought. Wow, that was really fun. So then I just sort of um, just kept painting them while playing with the one squad in my list. And then I really got burnt out of playing guards. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to pivot from guard into custodies for a while. 
And again, they, they're not really part of my play style, um, but they taught me a lot. And now I've got 2000 points of custodies and a lot more that are waiting to be, you know, stripped, rebuilt, primed and painted. So I might return to the guard in the future, but I, I played a little bit of them in 10th edition and I just, I didn't really find them that interesting. So um, yeah, no plans to return to them in the immediate future, but probably at some point in the future. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah. Uh, Imperial guard got done dirty in ninth. Y'all got it. The only, the only, literally the only people that got worse was the world eaters. Here's a codex for four months. All right. It's at, it's out of play. Oh, and, and I think ours, we only had for six months. So yes. Yeah. yeah I think yeah, you guys, you guys really slightly better with six months of here's six months of a codex. All right. It's gone. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, and I had heard rumblings that, that, that might happen. And I was like, well, I'm not going to buy in. I'm just gonna switch to something else for a while and wait till 10th happens and wait until the joy is sparked again. And, um, I think I'm, I'm ready to at least try it out. I've signed up for a combat patrol event next weekend. I've just looked at the rules today. So, uh, let's go. Um, and I think that the combat patrol is going to give me a pretty good idea of um, if I'm ready to come back like full time to Imperial Guard or not. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. I, 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 you got to let me know how that goes. I have not played combat patrol yet. I haven't looked at the rules. I so haven't had the time. It's the exact same rules, pretty much. It's just less stuff on the data sheets. Like less like special abilities and stuff? Yeah. Oh, yep. Okay. Yeah. So less special abilities. Um, and you get like a this or that option for an enhancement. You get a this or that option for a secondary. It's a, just very streamlined. And then all of the combat patrols are apparently, we'll see, are apparently um, balanced to one another. So it's not really points. You just pick up the box and then go. Um, right. how, that's what it's sold to me as. So I'm going to get my first taste of that next weekend. And then I'll, I'll know if it's true or not. Yeah, we all know how well power level worked out ninth. So. Um, we'll, we'll see. You'll have to let me know how that, uh, the, the, the balance of combat patrol works. I will to hear. Very cool. All right. So, um, uh, as a woman in the hobby, um, have you ever run into anyone, man, men or women in or out of tournaments who you feel like we're stereotyping you for, for being in the hobby at tournaments? No. Okay. Well, outside of tournaments. Very much so. <laughs> yeah. People on the internet can be awful when they're anonymous and behind a keyboard. So yes, there are some people who have like pretty heavy stereotyped ideas of what um, a woman is in general and especially what uh, like female nerds are. So, um, but in general, I've never come across those people in real life. Um, I don't think that they leave the house. So yeah. Right. They're yeah. all living in their mom's basement. As, as we expect them to or, or whatever. Like, I think that they all know that their ideas are kind of outdated and, and that if they say those things in public, that there's a pretty good chance that they'll be chewed out. So I just don't think that they, I don't think that they leave. I don't think that they come to social engagements. That's just okay. my, that's just my feeling. That's my general experience. So you're, the, the, the negativity that you've encountered is all from homebound keyboard warriors, not, genuine hobbyists not people that are going to tournaments and you've, you haven't run into any of that in gw stores or um well where i live we only just got a gw store in the next town over um oh, okay so and i and i only been to one gw store before that and the experience uh, i mean the first experience uh, was neutral at the other store and then everybody at the store in the next town over pretty much knows who i am so um yeah, they're all friends and engage me the same way that they would engage any other nerd. So I don't know. I don't have enough experience with GW stores in general, but it's it's an interesting thing because I do get comments from some women saying like, oh, I had this experience at a game store. What would you do? And I've not had those experiences. So what I try to do is whenever I'm in a new town, if I can swing it, I try to go to a game store to see if I can also experience these things so that I can understand how I would feel in that moment and how I would respond to it. But so far I haven't really had any luck. Um, I'm going to keep trying because I would like to have some answers for these uh, ladies who 
you know, are obviously feeling a bit uh, shaken at how they're treated and and whatnot. But yeah, I, I'm not sure if it's maybe because I walk into a game store like I own it, <laughs> like <laughs> I'm supposed to be there. Like this is my stuff that I love and I don't have really any doubts. And I don't know if maybe people can like smell it on me. That, that conscious. <laughs> you just smell there. like you smell like dried acrylic paint and plastic. That's right. All of my clothes have paint on them. So yeah, but even when it comes to like walking around tables, if it's game night and there's strangers there, like I don't have a problem engaging um the people playing. So I'm not sure if it's a confidence issue and maybe because of that I will never experience it, or if there is just like pockets of awfulness. Um, but I'm going to keep searching. I'm going to keep on this crusade to see if I can um, get some answers for these ladies who approach me. Okay. The closest I ever saw to it was, well, one, when I was in law school, I took my, my uh, one of my good friends. Um, she'd never been to a comic book store. And I took her to a comic book store and like the three or four guys that were in there when we walked in all like their heads swiveled and they just were so confused that there was a female in the store and they just kept staring. But so there was that. Yeah, that is that is like the major complaint. Yeah. Yeah. People are just confused. It's 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 not necessarily meant to be harassment. It's just curiosity and confusion. Like, why is there a female in here? We are supposed to shun females. Yeah. I, I mean sometimes or it be makes be shunned by. Yeah. It's like sometimes it makes me wonder if it's maybe because, you know, I'm a little bit older and I you know, I'm average in pretty much every single way. If maybe I just blend in a little bit more. So maybe like I don't draw those eyes towards me. I'm, I don't know. I is obviously this is something that I have pondered quite a lot. Um, and I just am no close to having any answers. I, yeah, maybe what I have to do is go into a game store with somebody who is like younger, maybe stereotypically doesn't look like a nerd. Maybe then I can see. Maybe. Would be. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the the other time was I we my wife and I went to a GW store on the other like north side of Atlanta and the, not not one that we normally go to and the the guy who was working there engaged her in a conversation cuz she walked in ahead of me and then I followed in I was looking at stuff and she she was looking at some of the sister stuff cuz that's her her first love is sisters and he starts asking her questions and she's like, "Oh yeah, no, I I I know." And he like, but he kept on sort of mansplaining sisters to her. And she's like, yeah, I play competitively. We were, we just came back from LVO and he was like, oh, oh, oh. And so then he sort of backed off, but it was like, it, it, it was just the assumption that, and she's a school teacher and she looks like a school teacher. So she, it was, maybe it was just the, like you said, it was the appearance of out of fish out of water. Like she didn't look like she belonged there. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I don't have the answers. Like, yeah. The, the reason why I said my first GW store was just kind of neutral was because the manager came up and was asked. The first thing he said was, do you play or just paint? Right. And it was kind of like, oh, well, he's assuming that I'm a painter, probably because right. of my gender. Um, I don't think that there was any maliciousness to it. It wasn't actually that bad of a question. And that is probably the worst that I've ever experienced at a game store. Um, and and even then it's just like super neutral. So um yeah, I I wish I had more answers for people and I'm working on it. I'm gonna get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Well, obviously that's the sort of the point of this this these interviews I'm doing too, is I want to get to the bottom of it. Where where are the stereotypes and how can we get rid of them so that you know women can walk in and just be we can just assume that they belong there and they know what they're doing. And if they have a question, they can ask it of whoever's working there or whoever's there playing a pickup game. Instead of, oh, she obviously doesn't belong here. Let's let's try to introduce her, drag her in and tell her things she may already know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't have the answers. The only thing that I know for sure is that most of the time, the real trolls only exist online. So, yeah, the, the yeah. really bad comments are really only going to be online. And honestly, if you just don't engage those people. They usually just slink back into the shadows and you never have to deal with them again. All right. Well, that's good. And that was going to be my next question is, I mean, you are, for all intents and purposes, a, a celebrity of our hobby because of the, don't make that face. <laughs> you, I mean, you are, you are on, you have been on multiple YouTubes. You've been on Plan Tabletop. 
you you're on you're on at least one weekly podcast. So you are as much. I mean, you know, if if Adam is the Tom Cruise of our of our uh, hobby, you know, you're you're at least you know Gina Davis or you know a, I can't. I'm blanking out on. She's funny, uh, you know. I'll take I'll yeah. take that as a win. Yeah, she's um, actually really nice in person. I met her once when I was uh, years ago when I was working in L.A. But um, you know. Uh, you are, you are, you have some celebrity, you have some notoriety. So I was, my next question was going to be, um, do you get a lot, do you have to deal with a lot of stupid trolls on social media or on YouTube or whatever because of that? I used to, I used to like back 10 years ago when I was first sort of posting in Facebook groups and things like that, I used to get a lot of trolls and, and, and yeah, in fact, a lot of times I used to get told things like, um, well, like you're a woman, so you're never going to be able to play 40K, right? Women just don't think tactically. And that, I think, was the one that like really damaged me um, because then I assumed because I heard it so much back then. I assumed that like every man thought that way in Warhammer because I didn't have a local group to sort of like experience what the majority of normal 40K players think. So um but I've I've done a lot of work on myself, especially recently, like going to therapy and sort of processing all those kind of negative emotions that all that kind of stirred up in me. But now I don't know. And again, maybe it's because I just sort of exude this uh, this confidence, like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, I've been in it for long enough that I know what I'm talking about for the most part. Um, and and yeah, I don't know if I just like exude like a don't mess with me kind of attitude. That is like the best theory that I have as to why I don't get as much harassment as other ladies. Um, but then again, like it could just be because I don't I don't outwardly look not nerdy, if that makes sense like i wear glasses and i i think i kind of dress like an artist uh kind of weird i wear weird clothes and things so yeah i'm not i that is the best uh sort of theory that i have so far is that i just kind of exude this don't mess with me attitude and and in general people don't mess with me okay maybe it's just they're scared of all your tattoos i mean maybe Maybe. Is anybody afraid of tattooed people anymore? I mean, they were when I was a kid, but you know, that, that was a many, many decades ago. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, um, I have a few more questions for you, but let's take a quick break for, uh, our next sponsor of the day, Siege Studios. And now for a word from our sponsor, Siege Studios. They are the experts in providing professional miniature painting services, ensuring your armies always look their best on the battlefield. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, Sea Studios can help bring your miniatures to life. Don't miss out on their quality craftsmanship. All right, we are back. Uh, Tanya, what's the one thing about the game that you would share that you would hope would make more women curious about the game? Hmm, that I would hope would make more women curious about the game. So I guess I come from a weird place in that I... Hmm. So when I was playing roller derby, I did try. I did try to like get the other ladies on my team to to paint with me and that didn't work. And then um, near the end of my career, when I couldn't skate as much, and I was playing a little bit more. Um, I tried to get them to come over and like learn how to play with me and they really weren't interested in it. And um, I guess I come from a place that if you're not curious about it, when you first hear about it, then it's probably just not for you. I'm not going to push it on you. I'm not going to continuously talk about it. So I'm not sure that I would share anything in the express, I guess. So it's so hard to explain. I wouldn't share anything to specifically get women to play or to paint or to get into the novels or whatever. I would share my hobby because I'm excited with them about the different aspects of it. Um, and I would maybe pick something that they might be interested in. So if they're a bookworm, I might share like the latest Black Library book that I read with them and tell them why I think it's cool. Um, or if they paint, like obviously this is a cool thing that I painted. But I, if it's not for a lady, I'm not going to try 
and excite them about it. They would just be excited about it. Okay. So you, you're going to let them find the excitement and then you'll tap into whatever angle their excitement takes form in. That's right. Hobby painting. Okay. That's right. So for me, when I saw Warhammer, I was immediately like, this is the coolest thing because I love science fiction. Right? Like you're okay. telling me there's there's space battles, but there's also like skirmishes down on the ground with like basically little hand rockets, like rocket propelled grenades and a pistol, you know, like that was all super cool stuff. So, um, yeah, I would explain my hobby to somebody. And then if they get excited, then I would share more. If they're not interested in it, say lobby. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Um. So what's the thing that you like the least about the game presently and would hope to change or see changed in the near future? Oh, okay. Um, the game is extremely complicated as a rule set. Um, and I do think that that is a barrier to entry for most women my age who have children and work full-time jobs and try to manage their house and all of this. So with that, I wish that there was an in-between, more casual way to play 40K, which I haven't played Combat Patrol. Maybe that's the answer that I'm looking for. But um, I really miss the book missions from 8th edition. I think 9th edition had them as well, where you just like turn a page and it's usually just one sort of win condition maybe one special rule and then you just go and play right the the cards um the leviathan cards are awesome and i love playing that way but it's a lot of bookkeeping for some people which is just an extra level of complication on top of an already complicated rule set so i i kind of wish that there was like a more casual way to play okay that makes sense but like uh, i yeah, said i think it, yeah. it could be combat patrol i will know next weekend we, we, you shall find out and hopefully I will, I will text you in a week and go, so how'd it go? <laughs> Please do. Yeah. Let's chat about it. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, um, so do you read, uh, you mentioned uh, black library. So do you read a lot of the books? I do. So I'm trying to make my way through the Horus heresy, but now that I'm right, right in the middle, I'm finding, and I, I am like hard, hard copy all the way. I can't do an e-reader. Um, but I'm in the middle of the Horus Heresy and I'm finding some titles are hard to find even secondhand. So I'm kind of stuck where I am until I can get the next um, sort of batch of books. But um, I do have the infinite and the divine waiting for me, which should tide me over until I can find the next ones. Okay. All right. Very cool. Um, yeah. I'm, I, so are you reading every single Horus Heresy book? Yeah. In order. Wow. That is a lot of commitment. I mean, it's not it's not that hard. I know people are like, oh, some of them are really bad, but I haven't really read one where I was like, I would not read that again. Like they've all been pretty. Yeah, they've, they've all been pretty good. They've all been pretty good. There was the there was that one section of Flight of the Eisenstein where they're trapped in the warp that was kind of interminable to me. It was I I, I compare it to the part in, in the last book of Harry Potter where they're all just sort of wandering in the wilderness trying to figure out what they're supposed to do next. and. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. The books I read, it's just, it's a lot of books was what I meant. Like, yeah, that's yeah. a lot of books. It is a lot of books. But then when you think about it, there's a lot of books that aren't in that series as well. There's just a lot of books. So yeah. whenever I hear of people who've read practically everything, I'm, I'm in amazement. Like it is so much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just doing the siege of terror books and I'm on the, what of the, the, the last one, part one of the last, the end and the, whatever it is. Yeah. I, I am waiting until I'm done Horus Heresy and then I will go into those yeah. ones. Yeah. Very respectable. And, and I'm frankly slightly intimidated. Yeah. Um, Me too. <laughs> so when you first started playing the game, um, well, we already talked about this, but the thing that got you hooked was really just the, the fact that it was sci-fi and um, was it the power armor or the orcs or the, the idea of the Imperial Guard? Was there any, particular part of the lore that snagged you hmm i think i actually found the lore like the stories itself a little bit later um i think i just in general liked the setting right so okay. like the grim dark 
almost horror setting with the sci-fi feel like I'm a, I loved Event Horizon as a movie and it just felt like very much the same feeling. Yeah. God, I remember I didn't sleep the night after I saw that movie in the it's theater. It's terrifying. Yeah. It's horrifying. It's yeah. just like whenever they start talking about stuff in the some of the books about the stuff that chaos does and yeah. what happens in the warp. See that that's what that I, scene I think of at that movie. The end, right? Yeah. Yeah. With it, the with the perfect. barbed wire wrapped around people and all. I'm like, oh God, that's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So that that is also what I see whenever they talk about the Geller fields going down. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Yeah. No, we're right here. No, yeah. I totally agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You gotta get like hype yourself up to watch that movie. Oh, yeah. And I remember I walked into it in the theater when it first came out and I had I thought it was just like, oh, it's going to be a good sci fi movie. It'll be, you know, it was it, it it was. But with a heavy dose of, oh, my God, that's awful thrown in at the end. I know. Like, so. like I watched that final sort of scene, like with my eyes covered. Right. And just even just listening to it. I'm like, this is awful. But yeah. everything that happens up until that point is worth it. So I can just cover my eyes and like. But fingers and ears, eyes shut, like la la la. <laughs> yeah, all that scene. No, I was like, I'm like, I I've seen this movie. I I never need to see that movie again because that is on the short list of three movies I think that I've seen that have just really disturbed me, like to your core. Yes, yes, yes. But that is Warhammer. It's it, it, yeah, that is to true. The core. You, <laughs> yes, yeah. No, you are not wrong. The some of the grim dark gets a little too grim and a little too dark for me sometimes. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. So last question. What inspires your painting style? Um, I am very much inspired by cell shading and comic style art. Um, and I've always just wanted to, well, not always, but um, I tried to paint like everybody else and to kind of, um, I don't know, I just felt really pressured to do things the right way when it came to my painting. And then I didn't like anything that I ever painted. So I sort of did some soul searching and then I was like, I just want to paint in a way that if I post it to Instagram and somebody stops scrolling when they see it and they say, I think Tanya painted that. That's what I want. That is my new goal. So I'm really just continuing to develop my personal style. People ask me all the time what my personal style is. I don't think it can really be defined by like one word or one sentence but i really want to continue on developing my super saturated clean kind of style i know it's not for everybody i get comments all the time from people who say like oh it's not grim dark enough it's not dirty enough needs weathering and all of this but uh i in general don't listen to those people because like there are so many other painters who do that i don't need to do that i can just do what i want and I want my stuff to look like cartoon characters because like no, we said, totally like we said, like Warhammer is grim, dark and disturbing. And I just think it's really fun to have, uh, you know, armies that are bright and colorful and clean and sort of the antithesis of what grim, dark actually is. Yeah, no, I totally agree. That's actually it's it's sort of that same idea as what led me to strip and repaint all of my Tau army and go for a Tron legacy aesthetic with all the glowing effects. And just, they're all just, if you ever see them, they're just all like super dark blue and black. And then with a lot of the glow of just a bunch of glow effects put on them. Cause I wanted it to be clean and, and, but have a cool glow and look like it was super sci-fi, but not lean too far into the grim dark mm -hmm. aesthetic. Cause my, my space Marines and a lot of the other stuff it has that, but with my Tau, I wanted them to be super clean and super, and just do something different. And that's actually why I like painting the MCP figures because I get to do a, I just go totally comic book style. Yeah. And so I haven't painted any Imperial Guard in a really long time. And now that I've had, you know, over a full year of developing my own style, um, I'm looking at my, I'm going to say to me, it's drab, but I know it's not like a hundred percent drab, but for me, it's, it's a drab kind of colored army. And I'm thinking like, should I repaint everything? <sighs> and it's a lot. Like I have a lot of Imperial Guards, so I probably won't repaint everything, but I might just punch it up with hits of color here and there. Got a bit of red, but 
might need something else. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to mull it over a little bit um, after this week and decide what I want to do. Awesome. Very cool. Well, uh, that's all the questions I have. Is there anything else you want to let um, the, the listening public know about you or where they can find you or anything else you'd like to convey on this topic? I would just say that, I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this, I shouldn't say obviously, but if you're listening to this podcast, there's a pretty good chance that you're already playing the game um, and you probably already paint models. But I would just say to not be afraid to hobby fearlessly. Um, Try to care less about if everybody, you know, appreciates the way that you play, if everybody appreciates the way that you paint. Because you're not going to make everybody happy, but there will always be people out there who really vibe with what you're doing. And um, I, I only say this because I just recently got back from play on tabletop playing my orcs. And as soon as I was done playing that game, I, I kind of went back into that mindset, that like fearful mindset as all oh, the comment sections going to go crazy. I didn't play this like how you would assume orcs are played um, and people are going to hate it. And then I just thought to myself, I said, you know what, self, some people are going to hate it, but I think some people are really going to enjoy seeing orcs played in a way that's uncommon. I think that that's going to be something that's going to be interesting for people to see. So yeah, that, that's my goal is, is if people can leave this feeling like they can fearlessly experience Warhammer in the way that they want, then this has been a success. Awesome. That's outstanding. Thank you for that insight. I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for giving us your time and your attention. Uh, I want to thank Tanya again for taking time out of her Sunday to come on the show and talk with me. This has been a great conversation. I really uh, enjoy talking to you as always. Oh, thank you. I can't wait to hear about the, uh, the combat patrol. Uh, are you coming to LVO again this year? I'm not coming this year. Um, but I know I'm not a very wealthy person. So it takes me a while to save up uh, enough money to go, but I am hoping to go the year after. So, okay. Yeah. Very cool. Well, next time we run into each other at a tournament, I think uh, the, the wife and I are going to take you to dinner. Oh, well, that's so sweet. Um, uh, so um, guys, thank you again for listening to us. Um, Steve and I are actually recording tomorrow morning. So we're going to talk about his weekend at the Coventry GT and his plans for next weekend. Cause he's coming out, out here to Atlanta for the world championships. And uh, then, and seriously guys, don't forget to tune in to forge the narrative. They just did a great episode themselves on uh, the uh, grand tournament and the world championships in Atlanta. So check them out. And uh, hopefully we can get both of these episodes uh, edited down and out to you guys before next weekend. Uh, until then, this is Dave Colmel for Tanya Gates. And, oh, actually, is it Tanya or Tanya? Because Paul always says it, Tanya. Um, it, I don't actually care. So, yes, okay, both, ways, both ways are <laughs> correct, but it is Tanya. All right, Tanya. All right, so until then, this is Dave Colmel for Tanya Gates and for Vanguard Tactics saying, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die historic on the Fury Road. Have a great week. 